Hi, Lynn. How are you today? Good. And you know, it's really that fall nip in the air makes you want to do fall things. And I know you have done some family-friendly Halloween things, but there is so much going on in local theater that I thought we'd talk about some of that today. Well, let's do that. We'll talk to one of our two special guests, Ellie Schwedy from SATE, coming up next. Around minute 13, American Utopia and the Tony nominations. The movie Rebecca at minute 27. The documentary Time at minute 38. What's coming up in case of emergency and memories of a murder around minute 41. The Pete Souza documentary around minute 43. And what's going on in town for Halloween. And then around minute 54, Lynn talks to Aaron Sorkin. You talked about his movie last week. We'll talk about that too. Sure. Um, we're going to talk to Ellie Schwedy. And she is um, one of the most talented people in all of the St. Louis theater. She is a multiple St. Louis theater circle award winner. She can act, she can direct, she can write, and she's she a hyphenate terrific sound design her music choices are always just so perfect for mm-hmm. a show so we are um her her company sate which is uh they're going by that now instead of their other acronym but with slightly askew theater mm-hmm. ensemble right. and they are a true ensemble last year they produced a clue-like play called the classic mystery Game. It seems they can't use the name Clue. Right. <laughs> but we can in describing it. Right. And so this year, they have come up with a quarantine edition. Oh. So we're going to talk to her about that. Hello, Ellie. Hi. How are you? So what is Sate up to during these Saturdays in October? Sure. Great question. Um, We originally were supposed to um, be producing a kind of a remount of our 2019 production of Classic Mystery Game. Um, But then, you know, a global pandemic had other ideas about humans being together in a room. Um, So we didn't want to abandon uh, the the idea completely. Um, So... Uh, my co-producer Rachel and I were chatting with um, Classic Mystery Games creator uh, Keating about um, what uh, their idea might be for for being able to remount this play, and um, uh, they kind of came up with this idea of doing short comedy videos. So we took the script, uh, Keating took the script, in fact, uh, kind of broke it down um, into... Uh, three episodes, and then each performer in the play filmed themselves just saying their own lines, and uh, and then through the magic of video editing, um, uh, Keating strung together the um, these sort of disparate videos into one uh, complete bit of storytelling. No. Oh. That sounds really so interesting. So we're releasing each video. So uh, there's three episodes. So we're releasing one one episode a week. So the first the first week was sort of um, the 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 first murder of Mr. Body. The hmm. second week is all the other murders, uh, and then the third week uh, is the you know the the solution, the who done it bit. Aha! Uh-huh. So where can people find this? 
you can watch these videos uh, all for free. Um, we're releasing them on um, Fate's Facebook page, which is Fate STL. You can find the video on Fate's Instagram account, Instagram page, which is at Fate STL. And you can also find the videos on our website, slightlyoff.org, which links you over to our YouTube channel. Nice. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. So uh, do people have to tune in at 7 or can they watch it anytime? You can. The video will premiere at 7 p.m., but after the video premieres, you can watch it anytime you like. Um, week one is already up and it's already out in the world and you can still go back and watch it and uh, probably watch it forever if you'd like. <laughs> so, so they're going to be available for a long time? We will make them available uh, indefinitely well, until we get sick of seeing our own faces. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this Saturday and next Saturday, and then that'll be it, right? This Saturday, next Saturday, and then on Halloween, on October 31st, um, we're going to do a big watch party on Facebook um, where we're going to screen um, the filmed version of our 2019 production. Oh, oh Okay. Cool. So it's sort of a build-up to a, a grand finale. That sounds really good. Who is in this production? Sure. This version includes Summer Bear, Will Bonfiglio, Talisha Katura, Paul Cherigino, Maggie Conroy, Michael Cassidy Flynn, Bess Moynihan, Carl Overly Jr., Kristen Strom, Victoria Thomas, Rachel Tibbetts, and myself. Um, so that's a lot of the original cast, um, and then a few uh, new faces. Oh, neat. Um, all the videos were edited by the, the play's creator, Keating. Um, design elements by Bess Moynihan and Liz Henning and an original score from Paul Giorgino. Oh, wow. Score, too, huh? Yeah. He's a very talented musician. And, so talented. Yeah, and, and Liz is a great costumer, and Bess is sublime in lighting. Oh, just amazing, really. Really and good tech. What's been really fun about this, you know, with those design elements, with the costume elements, um, with the props is um, we really wanted to sort of lean into this um, shelter in place, quarantining spirit. So the idea is, um, you know, every actor is kind of making do uh, to make props from what they have at home. We were able to um, kind of pass around uh, some of the original props um, to the, the different actors when they were filming themselves. Huh. Um, but, you know, for instance, in one scene, um, Bess uh, didn't have a, a telephone, so she used a banana. And um, I made do, instead of having kind of a fancy fascinator hat, um, I put a bowl on top of my head. <laughs> um, so we're really just trying to, like, use what we had around the house to, you know, make our play look um as authentic, but also as silly as possible. Well, I remember last year you had some goofy props. They were really, that was part of the fun 
to watch the show was to see what kind of goofy props you had. Yeah, yeah. So watch out for those same <laughs> same bits in uh in the videos. Oh, good. Well, it's really a lot of fun. I had a blast watching it, and it was just fun to uh, see everybody get into the characters of the classic board game. The classic board game, that's right. Murder Mystery. Yeah, and it's perfect for this time <laughs> of year. So that's good that your creative minds are getting a workout. Yeah, it's been, um, it was fun to revisit this play in a new way. And yeah, like you say, be able to be creative and do something, you know, really silly. I think right now everybody just needs something a little bit silly to kind of take us out of uh, all of the stuff that can bring us down right now. That is a good a good rationale for well, doing something. <laughs> well, Ellie, what, we, what we've been asking our guests in the last couple months uh, – what movies or something that you've binged, what have you been watching to keep you entertained and sane in the last couple months that you Ooh, recommend? Good question. Um, I have I have been watching, um, I really enjoyed the Hulu series, Mrs. America. Oh. Um, that was one of my favorite things um, during quarantine. Uh, I went back and I was, um, I've been watching a lot of fun sci-fi TV shows. Um, and then I started reading the Outlander book series that obviously is a hit TV show on stars. So I'm going back to read the, the books. Nice. Well, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad we gave her a little short notice, so I really appreciate you letting us know about this. I'm going to for sure tune in tomorrow night and uh, check out. The, I missed the first episode. Well, now you can, you can watch know. two at a time. I know, so I'm excited because I have nothing to do on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here's a little, a little bit of a taste of theater. Yeah, that'll be good. No, it'll be good to see. It's so nice to see familiar faces on screen, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, Ellie, and best of luck, and we'll check that out on Facebook and on Instagram and on the website. Very good. Thanks so much for having me. Sure, you take care and stay safe. You too. Thanks. Well, that's good. Now you can watch it at home. I know. I'm excited because I really did enjoy it last week. And I will say Saturday night to, uh, this week for me is um, watching SNL, but also... Issa Rae. Uh, we're going to... Yeah, who I love. She... The camera is very good to <laughs> good her. Good to her, yes. Yes. And I uh, really like... Um, uh, what is it on? Uh, oh, David Byrne, which you're going to talk about. Yes. So that's on HBO. And that, and then my girlfriends and I, we usually get together for a chat on Zoom just to catch up with what everybody's doing. So that's my big Saturday night. What's your big Saturday night? Well, I'm going to be telling people about American Utopia that's on HBO this Saturday night. I with my daughter who knows about – in fact, one of her teachers plays <laughs> – plays This Must Be the Place every Friday, and she calls it the Friday song. And then when David started to play that in this movie, she goes, it's the Friday song, it's the Friday song. <laughs> and so that was kind of fun. So, But there is, 
There are talking head songs. It's okay. Let's talk about this. It's called American Utopia. It was on Broadway from October till February, and then he was he was on the Saturday Night Live episode with John Mulaney, and they did two songs, including Once in a Lifetime. They right. did Toe Jam, the song he wrote with Fat Boy Slim, and then they did Once in a Lifetime. Like he was on in the early nineties. I love David Byrne. He is a, he is a genius, and he is one of the innovators of music. And he was in a group called Talking Heads. Yes. For those of you unfamiliar <laughs> with David Byrne, he was listed when Time Magazine first started doing their like you know hundred influential people. People. He was one of them. He uh, is. Uh, a unique artist, eccentric, and so Maggie didn't know about the big suit. And things uh, like no, that. but you know what we did? What? You know what we did? Okay, so they started to play. Okay, so she saw them on Saturday Night Live and because she was watching the John Mulaney episode. He had been, it had been 31 years since he had been on, and it was probably for the album Uh-Oh, which had the amazing theme. I, I bought the album just for one song for A Million Miles Away, which was the theme to Fox's Flying Blind with Tia Leone on it. Oh my! And I loved that song, but I, I was always a Talking Heads fan. Yes, and because well, who wasn't in the '80s? I would think if you were hip and cool, you were a Talking Heads fan in the '80s. Well, here's here's what they started to play Once in a Lifetime in this movie that we're watching, and I said, no, 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 you can't be exposed to Once in a Lifetime this way. And she's like, I already saw it on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, you need context. So we went back to Jonathan Downey's Stop Making Sense. We watched that, and then the we doc. also watched the video from 1980, which was very innovative for a video from 1980 it was and because he's swimming and he's he's dancing with himself right you may ask yourself and so she got the context and she liked it so she enjoyed the friday song she liked the talking head songs in there and there are a couple of them but it's also a play and it's directed by spike lee i know so spike lee directed and fun fact it is Produced by Michael Isaacson, yes. Muni executive director. It's one. It was on Broadway. He's one of the producers, but it's his show, you know, because he does. Uh, I interviewed him about his reworked Unsinkable Molly Brown on Broadway, mm-hmm. and and well, it was off Broadway. Well, it, they and shopped. It they shopped it here at yeah. uh, the Muni. Well, yeah, they shopped it, and then and then it opened on Broadway. Off Broadway, I keep saying mm-hmm. on Broadway, off Broadway, and they were thinking about moving it, but then of course the pandemic hit. But he was telling me how the how the uh, the work was on Off Broadway and how it was connecting with people, and then he said he had Utopia and then another show. But he's in a producing group that does these because right. he was in Fox Associates, mm-hmm. which won Tonys for Thoroughly Modern Millie, Red Star, and Eddie Redmayne. That was his mm-hmm. Tony Award. And the humans. Yes, they want that. That was best and play. And Le- Legally Blonde and mm-hmm. Bring It On. That's how he knows Lin-Manuel Miranda. So, yeah, Spike, I, I thought Spike had might have seen it on, because this show toured around as well. And it's it's David and 11 other musicians. And they even say, and I, I know a lot of journalists and a lot of critics say, how can, are, are you guys playing to a backing track? And it, no, it, it's just mixed perfectly. I knew they were actually playing. I was impressed with the way it's mixed. It sounds like it's studio. And not only are the musicians that good, he has two singers, uh, like four percussionists. There, besides him, there are 11 people on stage and they're all playing instruments. But sometimes they narrow it down. It starts with uh, two singers, then it expands to like a six piece, and then it finally gets to all 12 people on stage. 
but the way it is mixed, the sound, if they had an award for sound editing, he should get it for this. But he, uh, David Burns already run, won an Oscar because he, he scored The Last Emperor, and he already has a, a Grammy, of course, for... Uh, actually, I think it's for I think it's all for Last Emperor. Everything he won, he because he won a lot of uh, mm-hmm. o- awards for that, and so. He, but he's not an EGOT. No, he's not an EGOT. I don't think he, I don't think he has a Tony, and I don't think that. Oh, Tony nominations came out. I don't, and I don't I don't know if yesterday. he got it or not. Well, I'll, you looked that up. I'll well, I continue the story. So Spike Lee, I thought Spike might have seen it in. Uh, in New York, but he invited Spike to come see the touring show in Boston, and Spike went up and said, "I can, I can make this happen." And it's very impressive. Until the last, I only noticed cameras one time. Until the last number, the last number, they go out in the audience, and of course, you're going to see the cameras because they're going around the audience. And it is also filmed over the course of several nights because I look for stupid stuff like that, and I kept because when they show the front front row, I'm like, well. There, there's, there's scarf girl, and then there's beard guy. So I know there were at least, at least maybe if not more, two performances that were filmed for this. But it is seamless, and it is well done. And once again, I want to say the mixing of this uh, performance is fantastic, and it is really well done. And if you're a Talking Heads fan, you will enjoy it because the American uh, American Utopia that I want to say that that came here. I want to say it came to St. Louis. I don't think I went. And there are, I am a fan of the other three talking heads. They, he does not mention them by name, uh, Chris, Jerry, and Tina, but he mentions the talking heads once. Uh, they get credit. They, they're getting money for this because there are, mo- they, they wrote some of the songs in the show. He mentions Brian Eno. Uh, he, he does a song by Janelle Monet that is very powerful. That is, that is the probably the most Spike Lee thing in the, in the performance is the Janelle Monet where they're saying uh, African Americans who've been shot by police and say their name. It's a song that Janelle Monet did at one of the marches on Washington, and he asked her permission. Hey, is it okay if a uh, a white man of a certain age does this song. And she said, absolutely, everyone should be doing this song. So uh, there's also a song he did, he wrote with St. Vincent and he produced her stuff. And so it is, if you are a fan of David Byrne and the Talking Heads, I think you will enjoy this. If you're a fan of Stop Making Sense or the name of this band is the Talking Heads, I think you will enjoy this performance. If you're a fan of Spike Lee, it is something, it's very tender and so and spike when spike does that he's really on his game and i enjoyed american utopia very much i hope you get to see it tomorrow oh i'm gonna uh, tune in for sure i did see them perform on the snl and then also colbert i was impressed with the percussion mm-hmm. and also they have several dumber, drummers the, the stage movements they're so precise and and it's and he's very passionate about a lot of things, and so I'm very excited about that. Okay, so I'm looking at the Tony Awards, which are very interesting. Right. And because uh, we'll, it it ran from October through almost March, because when did Broadway shut down? I um, think it ran through it, February. Broadway shut down mid March, like everything else. Okay, because it ran. He, he they were on Saturday Night Live on February like 29. It was it was Leap Day. They were on with John Mulaney. 
and I, they were going to re they were going to bring it back to Broadway. So, and I looked like when I was looking up the EGOT stuff to see what he had, it doesn't say pending. So, and somebody on Wikipedia would have said that American Utopia was nominated for something if it was nominated for something. So, yeah, this is all theater. I don't. I mean, you know, all straight theater. So I, I know that uh, I know uh, Jagged Little Pill got some. <laughs> got a bunch, and and uh, you know, I do love Jake Gyllenhaal a lot, and he got nominated for uh, the play, um, the oh, it's what's called the C, something C. Uh, just a minute. So here, uh, and I saw him. I'm gonna post. I'm going to send you this. It's a monologue from the show that he does. It's just incredible. But uh, it doesn't say anything about the David... Uh, Burn show. Burn show. It, uh, it's not just a straight-up concert, by the way. He does talk to the audience, and he has a couple of asides. It's not. It's not also not like an evening with, so he doesn't... Uh, it, it's not a lot... It's not... There are no sketches involved. He just talks to the audience, but it's not like... Like when Dolly Parton was here and I saw her, she talked about every single song and gave a history of this. Dave Byrne tells you to go go vote. And it was amazing watching stuff from 40 years ago because my daughter's like, is that the same? I said, yeah. Well, she knew it was the same guy, but she just wanted, she's like, well, he has aged well because, you know, he, he's he's David Byrne. I, 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 I'm tarnished oh. about Dave Byrne for, not tarnished, um, I, I don't know the man personally, but Tina Weymouth, she does not have things to say. Uh, uh, she said that he is incapable of reciprocating friendship. Uh, one of the talking heads just came out with the book, does not paint him in a very good light. But we've always known that he's been a difficult person to get along with personally. Yeah, he's a he's a uh he's one of those unique individuals uncompromising and also sometimes people of a certain artistic uh persuasion are just not you know uh popular or super friendly or you know that's why they say don't meet your heroes. Right. Because I'm not trying to be his friend. Right. I enjoy I enjoy his work. Right. Well, I think that's the general rule of journalism when you interview people is you're not trying to be their friend and uh we know people who who mm-hmm. want to do that, but uh you got to keep an arms arms length, but he is a genius. Uh Jake Gyllenhaal was nominated for actor in a leading role in a play for Seawall slash a life and so was tom sturridge who's also very good uh tom hiddleston got Mm -hmm. nominated for betrayal blair underwood is nominated for a soldier's play no michael shannon for frankie and johnny in the claire de lune which is a fantastic play but audra mcdonald's nominated so but she's got to go against laura linney and mary louise parker Ooh. That's and, a, you know what? That is a lot of people that are not necessarily known as theater people that are known as film and television actresses. But they've been on stage a lot. I, kn- I know that, but it's usually, sometimes Tony likes to go for the more popular name than the actual, you know, <coughs> people that are making their living in theater. Yeah, well, there was a time where they boycotted movie people a lot, like uh, Nicole Kidman was on Broadway mm-hmm. and she did not get nominated. They were very wary of movie people coming onto Broadway, but now they embrace them because Broadway, before the pandemic, was making so much money. Yeah. And had unless so, you have a show like Lion King where you don't need a big star, you have the 
the experience of the Lion King. Right. One of the most interesting nominations of this whole thing is I'm looking at them. Aaron DeVette. I think that's how you say his name. He's the lead in Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. He is the only actor nominated for best performance for a leading role in a musical. Only actor? The only actor. Because there weren't any musicals? or the... Because I guess there's not enough guys in the other musicals. Because the other musicals are Jagged Little Pill, right. which is Atlantis Morissette, mm-hmm. and then Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Mm-hmm. And Moulin Rouge, those are the nominees. So, well, you know, they were going to, a lot of those musicals are mounted in the spring before the Tony Awards. Like West Side Story was supposed to be. And The Music Man Mm -hmm. and Sing Street. And so, therefore, this is what happened. So they were in previews and they, you can't, uh, previews aren't allowed to be nominated, right? Right. And they're not supposed to be reviewed before before actual opening night. Right. Oh, no director in St. Louis will ever let you see a preview to review, let me tell you. Well, no, 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 because the, that's they're still tweaking. Right, right. So that's the interesting elements here. So this is going to be a weird Tony Award. Yes. Well, you know, that's just... Uh, that's just... Uh, that's how it's going to oh, be. Oh, March 12th is when all the shows went dark. Okay. All right. Okay, so, so back to Halloween. Back. No, well, let's let's get let's get to uh, Rebecca that opens up on Wednesday on on uh, Netflix. But it is at Plaza Frontenac right now if you uh, want to see it. And I will say, uh, remaking a 1940 movie. They don't want you to say remaking, but mm-hmm. they did. Uh, the changes that you can do technology wise. Right. Oh, the cinematography and the production design and the is just gorgeous. So I could see seeing it on a big screen if you want to look at the French Riviera and this grand manor. Oh well, yeah, a movie from the, the 30s, that's the that's the England. splendor of that. And when you saw it on the big screen back then, the movies from that era when you see it on a smaller screen, it kind of loses some of the, because the, the the way they shot those movies back then, they were it was all experimental and it was beautiful. Yes. Well, Rebecca is a novel, 1938, by Daphne du Maurier, and I read it when it was on the summer reading list for high school, (laughs) my freshman year, and I was so captivated by the story. It remains one of my all-time favorite books, and I was very excited to see the remake because it hasn't been done since Alfred Hitchcock's movie in 1940, which won the Oscar and is his only film to win an Oscar. Because well, he never won Best Director. No. No. And it also won cinematography. Mm. But so this is the problem with this. This is a high bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. Mm-hmm. So as much as and I love. the score. Oh, yeah. yeah. As much as I love Lily James. Mm-hmm. And I know you have mixed emotions on Army Hammer. Yes, and uh, he looks the part of the wealthy widower Max von Max Maxim de Winter. De Winter. Mm-hmm. Maxim de Winter, and mm-hmm. he looks the part. He's dashing, and and uh, he is debonair, and he he has that regal bearing, so mm-hmm. he can play an aristocrat because he's from you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, really. Uh, you know, he's a Winklevoss twin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so he has that regal bearing, and he has you know great manners. And one reviewer said he can wear a he can wear a suit vest, mm-hmm. the three piece suit. Yes. My problem with him here mm-hmm. is 
He's not Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the emotional depth. He mm-hmm. cannot. He he just can't. And the way the dialogue is written, I really fault the screenplay. In my review that I did for the Webster Kirkwood Times, which I had a hand in right after I pretty much saw the movie, I faulted the director, and I will fault him for a lot of it. But Ben uh, Wheatley. Wow! Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. whose experience is Free Fire which also starred Army, but this guy really wants to be Guy Ritchie. Ah. And so— And And Guy Ritchie had a good year. The gentleman was really good. But he's—yeah, but for Rebecca, it it just needed something. So this classic novel—I can't tell you too much because the spoiler alerts. Right. But I will say— A a man remarries. How's that? Right, right. The one big thing uh, is uh, that— a major plot point of the book that Alfred Hitchcock was forced to change because of the Hollywood production code about married people, mm-hmm. they have restored in this. Okay. So if you are a fan of the book, you don't have to worry about that lame ending that Alfred Hitchcock had to do. And I can't say more because it's all connected. And it's just such a sumptuous, wonderful mystery. I guess nowadays it would be a soap opera. It would be a melodrama. But you got the rich aspect of this. So the movie starts out, Lily James is a poor but plucky young woman in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And she is on European holiday as a woman's companion. And the woman is played by the wonderful Anne Dowd, mm-hmm. who plays this insufferable Rich Biddy, mm-hmm. and she's going on about Maxim De Winter. Well, Lily James runs into, um, and he has been a widow for a year, so everybody thinks it's so tragic, and he's and he's grieving, and and he's so handsome, and you well, know the real the real villain is Mrs. Danvers. Yeah, and he's got a ton of money, and so he and Lily hook up, mm-hmm. and they uh, whirlwind romance. She's got to leave to go to Paris with the biddy, and he impetuously asks her to marry him. Mm-hmm. He's in his early 40s. And so, of course, they get married, and they return to this enormous estate. And the opening shots, wherever they found this house, it's gorgeous. It is perched on a cliff in Cornwall mm-hmm. above the sea. The sea has a lot to do with the plot because the original Mrs. De Winter, she had drowned. So they get there, and it's very Downton Abbey-like in this. I did like this aspect of the film because, you know, the 1940s one didn't have mm-hmm. all the aspect of the, sta- of the staff. So Mrs. Danvers is this imperious, very cold and severe. She likes the first Mrs. De Winter. Yeah, maybe a little too much. That's but, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes, Kristen Scott Thomas. But, you know, they could never go there in the movies back mm-hmm. in the day. Oh. But she has this unnatural obsession with Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And she has preserved Rebecca's bedroom suite mm-hmm. and everything. And it's got this beautiful monogrammed R. And it's got all her appointment books and her beautiful handwriting. And apparently she was this perfect wife and hostess and great beauty and poor Lily James is not supposed to be anything like this Rebecca mm-hmm. and so she is made to fear feel inferior at every chance 
Mrs. Danvers gets to put her down and make her feel small. So Lily James is a little unraveling, a little unsettled by by this uh, hostility. And, of course, she goes snooping because the house is so giant. You stay out of this bedroom. And he go- and she goes in there and she, you know, is very, uh, she's kind of getting into Rebecca being this impossible uh, to uh, duplicate, yeah. you know, emulate this woman you'll never be mrs the first yeah. mrs de winter right so of course she feels you know she's just totally right and then her husband has turned into this distant brooding guy and she thinks he regrets marrying her so she's got Which a lot might. of mm-hmm. self-doubt so that's the whole thing but Kristen scott thomas is a good mrs danvers she really is malevolent but she's not used enough mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be a gothic tale. This is why people bought into this in 1938, and the book has never been out of print. Mm-hmm. Always a good seller. So there's no goth in the, there's no <laughs> gothic in yeah, this. But, but gothic is now something different, right? But in the old days, right. in the like, you know mm-hmm. the, the romance novel kind of thing. I understand. And, and then there's a supernatural element to this that never what? is fully explored. I mean, in terms of like the 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 shadow of. Rebecca being around, like you oh, know, right, 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 right. in the shadows, and then the, she's he a ghost. sleepwalks, mm-hmm. and you know, there's that there's that eeriness about it. You never see Rebecca, which is good because you just fantasize in your head what she looks. She's like. the unattainable, yeah. And Lily James is never named in the film. Well, she's I always, don't think she's ever been named in no, any of them. No, not in the book either. She is Mrs. De Winter, mm-hmm. and so she's the unnamed narrator. But Lily James, I love her. She was in Yesterday and Baby Driver mm-hmm. and the original Cinderella. I mean, the Cinderella in the, the Disney re- remake. The live and action Cinderella. She is radiant on screen. Mm-hmm. So how do you suppress that? Well... And and see, you're also jaded because she's she's also married to an actor you don't care for on film. You like him on stage, you don't like him in film. Right. Well, I did. He was great in Social Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he him. was. Both of them. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll give him that. And he was actually okay in Man from Uncle. There are performances where you don't absolutely hate him, and I love Man from Uncle. I wish there there was another one of those. I wish. I just. I. Wish they would have made a second one. Yeah, but I, he's back to being a plank of wood <laughs> because the part is he's just miscast. Okay, he's miscast in this, and he has to say these lines that are practically laughable when they come out. But he doesn't because they're probably that directly much. from the book, which yeah. is you know hundred years old. Well, the I don't know who this Jane Goldman is who who wrote the screenplay, uh, adapted it, but it was rewritten by uh, Joe Shrapnel and his wife. Oh, gosh, I totally forgot her first okay. name, but she's a winter. And they've done decent movies before, so I don't know where they were going. In. But this is not enough. It's in the shadow of Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. Laurence Olivier, Joan Fontaine. I was a little annoyed with Joan Fontaine in the original movie because she was so fretful and nervous. And, mm-hmm. and, she just, and Judith Anderson is a classic oh, Mrs. Danvers. Classic. Mm-hmm. And they've tweaked the ending a little bit in this. Towards the novel. Um, but... But anyway, uh, I it looks great. I wanted to love it. 
I gave it a C plus. <laughs> well, I think you're being generous with that then. Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch it again because Netflix has given us an opportunity to uh, have a virtual Q&A mm-hmm. with, uh, with Army and uh, Lily James. Oh, really? Jane yes. Goldman, Joe Shrapnel, and Anna Waterhouse. Win- Waterhouse. I said Winterhouse like That's Anna right. Winterhouse, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Vogue person. And the... Uh, the costumes, everything, all the production so you, you like elements. the cinema, cinematography you love. Right. That's but, by Lori Rose. Right. I don't think this Joe, I mean, this Ben Wheatley, mm-hmm. uh, just, I, th- I just think he made wrong choices. I don't think he just went where he should have gone. And uh, I just am really disappointed. Okay. All right. Well, how did you feel since you're on you're enjoying the documentaries this year? Yes. How did you feel about time on Amazon Prime? It's very good and it's very uh uh it's well, it this is a story that isn't explored too much, but this is the personal element of it about uh incarceration, mm-hmm. the inequities in, it's a, in, in like doing time. Right. Uh Fox Rich is a woman who has six boys and her husband is in prison for a 60 year sentence for robbery. And she committed it too. that, but he's been in prison. uh, And uh, the last 20 years, she's been trying to get him out. I don't know too much about sentencing, but I would think 60 years is is pretty long for a robbery. Mm -hmm. So it, she has these video diaries she's been making all these years so it shows like, you know, a kid being born, then you got a kid graduating. And it's it's very interesting. The documentary uh, director is Garrett Bradley. And so he wove this video diary footage into current life, like how she's coping, what she has to do. It's about resilience. It's about love that keeps people together. And it sheds light on our, our woefully... Uh, what do you want to call it? The incarceration system in this country. How it's unfair. It's it just is unfair to people of color. It is. He did the work, so it's not like he was wrongfully accused. You know, but he, he's 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 not saying. Well, it's it's the uh, the uh, unfair sentencing. Right. So it reminded me of Beale. If Beale Street could talk, because that guy is in there so long, but. This is a documentary, so this is real. And uh, the subject is great, and uh, it's very illuminating, and it'll make you angry, but it also um, it has some nice human sweet moments too, and I'm not going to say more, but it's on Amazon Prime right now. 60 years in prison. Well, how long is he, how long he's been in there for 20 years so far? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, hopefully it has a... Uh, an uplifting ending. Yeah, so I would recommend it, and it's on Amazon Prime, so if you have it, you can tune in, but it's being very much lauded is because it, it's something we don't see. I taught in a prison for two semesters mm-hmm. at a medium security prison, and I taught fundamentals of speaking to convicted felons, and uh, it was a very eye-opening experience about the Mm-hmm. about the whole pro- process so I have maybe I have that aspect that I think I'm not saying uh, that that uh, people you know shouldn't pay for their crimes but it just seems so but in- the but the cr- the time should fit the crime right right 
All right. Mm, well, yeah. let, let's let's get uh, let's talk about what's coming up uh, this week. Uh, in case of emergency, is for free on for a week on Kino Now. What's Kino Now? I don't know what that. That is, is Kino Lorber, who is a very prestigious studio. Mm-hmm. They have put the movie. This is about ER nurses in yes. five different states. Mm-hmm. Kent reviewed it and he loved it, and I have not had time this week to see it. And it is now f- available for a week for free. If you go to https colon slash slash backslash uh, and then kino now kino now dot com dot com, you can get the link. You can get the screening link for free. And uh, Bong Joon Ho's remastered Memories of Murder is a Fathom event this week. So that that one of his earlier films, and so it's doing. doing They've remastered it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 17 years old, but it's about a real serial killer, mm-hmm. and the real serial killer was caught a year ago. Yep. So uh, I just got the link yesterday, and I will look forward to it. But it's a Fathom event. October 19th and 20th, and then it's going to be VOD, Video On Demand, on October 27th. Friday night, October 16th, on MSNBC at 9 p.m., they're preempting regular programming to show the movie the way I see it. It is a documentary about the White House photographer Pete Souza, Mm -hmm. and he was the chief photographer for Reagan's two terms and for Obama's two terms. So this is about an intimate glimpse into the president's White House life, but also it shows like Obama meeting with the Medal of Honor winner mm-hmm. in, in the hospital and things like that. So it's very uh, illuminating. You know, photojournalism, picture's worth a thousand words. So I recommend watching it. You could probably tell where the film uh, where the film lies in terms of the political spectrum. because it's on MSNBC. Yes, so I won't say more than that. But I enjoyed. If you it. are so inclined to watch it, right? Go I ahead. enjoyed it, and it's a, it's a very lovely. Um, it's a little break from all the really craziness that's yes. been going on. So I recommend that highly. And then uh, Carl. Let's talk. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about all these Halloween things. Well, Halloween. Uh, my, Halloween is my daughter's favorite holiday because it is around my birthday. It is around her birthday. And it is her favorite holiday. She's been doing it ever since she was a little one because, you know, she's born in middle of October. And so right after that we put her we dressed her up and, and she loves it and she loves the cosplay and she loves doing all the things but now this year uh it's going to be a little different so in St. Louis there are a couple things going on Grants Farm is doing their annual Grantsylvania thing which they've been doing for years this year it is a drive-through experience um make sure you have a full tank of gas because the lines are long and it, it's Go go to grantsfarm.com. You'll find out how much it is a car. You can get VIP packages and get pictures taken. But you don't leave your car, and no, they don't give you any free beer. But you get to drive through Grants Farm, and you get to go places that you've never gone before in your own car. Because usually, you know, when you get in, you get on the tram, and you make the big circle, and then you take the tram back. This goes to places where there are roads because, you know, they have to feed the animals. And you don't get to see hardly any of the, any of the animals because you're driving through there. At least, like, when you're on the tram, that only goes a couple, you know, 
dozen sure. 20 miles an hour yeah. yeah but if you're in your own car they I, i'm sure there's a there are insurance uh plans that make you not be that close to the animals but you still get to go through the park and it is amazing to go and it's go as dark as possible because then and oh turn your lights off people they tell you to turn your lights off. this car from texas behind us didn't i i'm guessing they didn't know how to turn off their lights but we had lights in our eyes for a while oh that's but, so but that's, that's but you know what it, that didn't deter from the experience i'm just saying if you don't know how to turn your lights on maybe uh, learn to before you go to this event uh also we went down to union station and you know how they do the Polar Express every year, and they've done the Great Pumpkin. This time, they're doing a stationary train, and you they have you get your picture taken, and they have a green screen, and they have magicians, and they have skeletons, and there's a very this is a very family friendly. I would describe it like the Mickey's Not So Scary that they have at Magic Kingdom. Like when you go down to Orlando, you have Mickey's Not So Scary if you don't want to be scared, and then you have Halloween Horror Nights at Universal which is like Walking Dead and stuff like that. This is more not-so-scary kind of stuff. And I will say that the Grant's Farm stuff, there are some there's some gruesome uh, decorations. So this is, this is for, you know, little kids and people who don't want to be scared. You have, they, there's a mirror maze up by the aquarium. You have, you, you go through the trains and the trains are a little spooky and they tell you a little story. If you've done Polar Express or the trip to the North Pole, this is kind of like that, except you, the train, you are walking through the train, not, not, uh, the train's not going anywhere this time. And it's, it's cute. And then we rode the wheel too. And I was very surprised how many people were at a, a planned event downtown in St. Louis. It was not not overly crowded and you know you have to keep your distance and uh know know your space and wear your mask Uh, and it's just i i was pleasantly surprised how many people were there and then there's also if you're out uh, um down by 141 uh and tesson ferry and gravoy the area uh stuckmeyer's farm they have their Fort Spooky, which is great. We go there every year. My daughter has had birthday parties there, and we we always get our mums and our pumpkins and our flowers from Stuckmeyers. There are several Stuckmeyers around town, but we always go to the one south off of 141 by the big pink elephant. And they used to bring stuff to the radio station all the time. I, I JC would and John would be on the air, and I would have to carry all this stuff in, and there was a lot of stuff. And uh, Stuckmeyer has been very... Very good to uh, the p- places I've worked and to me personally in in the many many years that I've been there. So I and I, I they have good product too. <laughs> That's the best part that they have that they have good product. So uh, that is what I'm going to be doing. And normally, uh, Lynn, you'll learn this now living St. Louis Hills area. Uh, they are not going to block off any streets, and so. Uh, there might not be as many people. Art Block is not doing Halloween at all this year because people people come from miles around to yes. to do the South St. Louis uh, Halloween, and it's on a weekend, and we're just not doing it because yeah. there are there will be too many people, and and a Halloween mask does not count as a mask. 
No, it's just too, there's too many unknowns. And then dispensing candy is a thing. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of alterations, I think. And I think if you're going to have one small parties uh, are the the best. Uh, there's uh, our friend, Glenn McCoy, yes. my former colleague. Mm -hmm. he, the neighborhood. Uh, he, in Belleville, he uh, does art. And he and a friend are doing this monsters and music art show, and it's in a and it's in a it's outdoors, mm -hmm. and it's in this part of Belleville downtown that's called Spaces. And I looked at the pictures last night, and it really is all decorated outside. And so they're going to have their art show, and art for sale, and it's called Monsters and Music, and it starts October twenty fourth. So it's next week. I have I, talked to Glenn. Many times, and he's like, "Oh, we well, we always need to get together." It, it, one, it depends on when he's in town, and two, well, now that things are this way, I don't know. <laughs> I we have not been able to do that. He's he's a busy guy. He is because I wanted him to come on the show to talk about his. Is he in town? Currently? But uh, he is, but he has studio meetings all day today because he's working on the fourth Minions. Really? Yep. He he's he's done. Uh, shorts, uh, Secret Life of Pets, he, uh, Illumination. He's done stuff for Illumination, and he's worked on the Despicable Me movies and everything. Mm -hmm. And so now he's doing that. So, so hopefully we'll maybe get we'll him get on him next and we week. can talk. Yeah, and we can talk about that, which would be great. Uh, Stray Dog Theater is doing a digital series of readings of Edgar Allan Poe. Really? So yeah. So that starts tomorrow. Po Potober. Yeah, Potober. You can go to straydogtheater.org and you can find out. And it's going to be apparently two weeks and three readings. Okay. So I'm going to tune, besides a Sates show tomorrow, I'm going to do that. And so there are things, if you want to get in the holiday mood, there are things that you can do just at. Carl and I are trying to be safe and mm -hmm. like we're encouraging everybody. We're not encouraging anybody to not be safe and doing all this stuff. But uh, if you just want to chill, one of my favorite things to watch every year is the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Yes. And now it's up to 31. Well, no. Uh, if you if you have Disney Plus, you can watch all of the past Treehouses of Horror and the new one will be coming up in a week or two. I think Sunday. Sunday. This Sunday. Sunday at 7 p.m. Unless football goes long. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I'm not, I'm not going to be able to set the DVR. <laughs> and then no, you just add an extra half hour. Yeah, and then it's going to be um, it's going to have a parody of Toy Story, mm -hmm. and it's going to have some election yeah uh, 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 things, and because uh, of Lisa, you Lisa, know. Lisa, yes, and Lisa, uh, the I'm, show's liberal, and because Homer's an undecided voter, right? Which <laughs> and they've already announced that next year they're going to do a parasite parody, oh. but not this year. Wow! This How? year, they're this year they're making fun of their corporate overlords, Disney. Oh, have you had time to watch any of the Bloomhouse movies on Amazon Prime? No, I haven't. But I talked to Max. In fact, I think I'm on this weekend talking about uh, the one with Joey King called The Lie, and he, um, he says it shouldn't have been called The Lie <laughs> because you don't know what the lie is, and they don't really tell you what the lie is, and so. Uh, it's, it, he, after talking with him about it, I don't think I'm going to be seeing it, but it, I, I love what Blumhouse is doing on Amazon. I, they're doing all the, you know, Blumhouse is the go-to horror place. They're like the, like Hammer was in the sixties. Blumhouse is 
currently, if you want horror movies, but The Lie is more of a thriller than horror, so he's expanding his base a little bit, and and you really don't know how much Jason is involved in any of these anymore, but Jason Blumhouse, his production company, is doing something. They have four movies out right now in October on Amazon Prime that you can watch, so go Blumhouse. Uh, a friend of ours has a theory that... Uh, Jordan Peele will take over Blumhouse and just go to town. I don't know if that's a good theory or a bad theory or just a theory. I think that's a good thing. Next week, Netflix is going to have a movie called His House, and apparently it is the horror film of the year. His House. Yes, I just found out about it. So we'll talk about that next week. But right now, the number one film on Netflix is Hubie Halloween. Yes, it is. And deservedly so. I mean, you know, now the Chicago, the trial of Chicago 7 is going to start today or is already on today. It's on. You can go on Netflix right now. And speaking of that, Lynn got to talk to Aaron Sorkin, the writer-director of... Okay, so put us in the mindset. We're going to play the audio from it here in just a second. But you got to talk to Aaron Sorkin. How'd you like that? It was really wonderful, <laughs> but but as you expect, in the in the in the COVID world, you didn't get to actually speak to him. You got no. through a through a mediator, and we'll hear the we'll hear the moderator here in a second. It was a Zoom press conference, mm-hmm. and to just prove that Aaron Sorkin is mortal, his internet had crashed. So the the, the group interview, and yeah, I have to preface this because it wasn't a one on one. This was a group press conference, which is what Netflix does Mm -hmm. sometimes for the movies. Only last year, we got to go and interview people. This year, it's all Zoom. And so it was supposed to start at 1.30. So I'm in the hospitality chat room waiting, and then Netflix keeps updating us. Sorry, it's going to be a little longer. Sorry, everybody. And we're going to move you over here and everything. So mm-hmm. uh, it was 2.15 wow. <laughs> that it started. And the first thing he That's did a little was— late. Yeah. The first thing he did was apologize, uh, p- apologize profu- profusely. But as you can tell, because he's got such a great command of the English language, mm-hmm. he is— so smart and he told these terrific stories and he's so passionate about what he does he's only done nine movies i didn't realize that till i counted them and four tv shows and four tv shows yeah okay so sports night the west wing studio 60 and what's the newsroom oh the newsroom on hbo which i i watched all of his shows Yes. I need to go watch Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It's only one season. I know. And Sports Night was two Sports seasons. Sports Night, but, I loved it. But everybody loved it, and everybody just was so upset when it got canceled. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to focus on Trial of the Chicago 7, obviously. And it was a thir- 12, um, well, it was practically a 13-year journey because Steven Spielberg was attached to direct. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller was going to be... And he he met with Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Sort of this crazy conspiracy trial. And then the writer's strike happened. The yeah. 100-day writer's strike happened. Right. So he decided he was going to break it down into the courtroom drama, of course, and then the backstory about how the... Uh, the evolution of the counterculture mm-hmm. movement and how the peaceful protest turned into this violent riot. 
And then he wanted to focus on, he didn't want it to just be a recounting of, of the events 50 years ago. So he, he wanted he, some context. He was struck when he was doing his research. He had the 21,000 page transcript Ugh. from the 1969 trial. And then he had a half dozen books about it. Mm-hmm. And so he and wanted the music. Right. <laughs> and so he wanted to humanize it. And he uh, uh, spent a lot of time with Tom Hayden. Mm-hmm. Who's one of the key figures and Who played has by passed Ed, away. Eddie Redmayne? Yeah, four years ago, and so Tom Hayden was his source mm-hmm. for this, and he discovered that Tom Hayden and Abby Hoffman were cut from very different ideological cloths, and they couldn't stand each other, but they actually became brother. You know, they were brothers. And uh, the film shows their conflict because you always have to have a conflict. Mm-hmm. And the well, film, b- besides the major conflict between these guys and the judge and the right, law, right. So he um, uh, discovered that. So he went with that. He actually had a meeting with the director Paul Greengrass, mm-hmm. who said, from the Bourne movies. He said, "Go with the two guys." Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes a Sasha Baron Cohen is so fantastic as Abby Hoffman. He was the He's first. He's got a movie out next week. Yes. He was the first one attached. Because he begged for the role. To the screen. Oh, he wanted to. He's his, too tall for Abby Hoffman. For well, me. it is. But but like Aaron said, he didn't want them to imitate these people. He wanted them to recreate them but not be a total duplication. Right. But, but he's perfect for Abby Hoffman. When Sasha Baron Cohen was in was in college, he did a, a thesis on radical Jews uh, involved in the civil rights movement. Wow! How about so that? he did his homework so, already. Oh yeah, he a long wa- time he, ago. He wanted to play Abby Hoffman. He got uh, Aaron Sorkin said he got everybody he wanted to for the cast, and they all worked for scale. Mm. Well, it's a huge cast. All right. Without further ado, here is Lynn's question with. Aaron Sorkin. Question from uh, Lynn Venhouse at the Webster Kirkwood Times and KTRS Radio. What was the biggest revelation you had when you were doing research on the case? And and it might even be something as as simple as, as uh, actual testimony or anything, Aaron, but what was your biggest revelation? Some of it was the, the, the testimony. Um, it, by, by revelation, if you mean shock, mm-hmm. it was... Um, uh, the biggest shock for me was what happened to Bobby. Yeah. Uh, a close second was the judge not allowing the jury to hear Ramsey Clark's testimony. Uh, the judge not allowing the jury to hear the former attorney general, the attorney general who was in office uh, uh, when this happened, say we investigated the whole thing and we came to the conclusion the Chicago Police Department started the riot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the judge not letting the jury hear that. Yeah. That's pretty cool, Lynn. I know. I was excited because I'm sitting there actually when I was watching. You were listening to it happen. And yeah. hey, that's my name. That's my question. <laughs> yeah. I was so you excited. had to, you, you didn't, you weren't like typing this into them. You were, you were, you had to submit it in, yes. in advance. We now, had did, to be approved. We had to be approved for this uh-huh. deal. So when. How many uh, questions did you submit? Just one. Wow. They, they ask you, they go, would you like to ask a question? And I said, yes. And then they have a, they have a line. Well, what would you like to ask? Mm-hmm. So you have to put that in. So I was very pleased that I was, I was, um, I got to do it in this new technology. This is the way it goes. But he was very gracious and just 
just a uh, you could immediately realize that I mean of course he's a master storyteller mm-hmm. of course but the way he tells stories is fun to listen to and he's got some you know quick with quips and mm-hmm. you know and he 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 doesn't put on airs like he said yeah Spielberg you know has me come in and he's talking about this and and I said count me in and then he said afterwards he immediately got in the car and called what's his that dad about and said what's this trial of the Chicago Seven mm-hmm. Well, it was originally the Chicago 8. Yes, which Bobby Seale and uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is fantastic as Bobby Seale. So so it, why did they call it the Chicago – why didn't they call it – if he's in, if Bobby Seale's in the movie, why didn't they call it Chicago 8? Because of this uh, thing that happens in the trial and, is, and his part is declared a mistrial. Bobby Seale wasn't even with the rest of the guys. No. He just came to Chicago to give a speech. Yeah, he was part of the Black Panther movement. But because it's Nixon's White House and John <laughs> Mitchell, they wanted to uh, okay. silence. They wanted to silence but these it was a tri- But it was the trial of the Chicago 8 at first, and then it became the tri- trial of the Chicago 7. I'm sure there, I'm sure there were... There were discussions of what they should call if it was seven or eight, because sometimes there's the Chicago eight, sometimes there's Chicago seven. Right. And I think when people find out, I I was, I mean, I lived through it. I was 13, of course, but I watched it on television. But I think it's just fascinating what you see in the trial, what happens. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, to Bobby Seale. Yes. I wasn't aware of that. There's there's this Graham Nash song of Chicago about. Yeah, that. Right. So I think it's it's uh, one of the best films of the year, and I'm going to stick by that. And I think we're so going to have So two of multiple. your favorite films this year are Netflix films. I know. And to you know, Five Bloods and Chicago 7. I know. And then we haven't even seen uh, George Clooney's Midnight Sky yet. Or next week, Borat 2. Yeah. Oh, and, and then- I don't feel good about it now. And then Minari from uh, it's a Korean film is supposedly the film of the year besides Nomadland. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up this fall. Next week we'll be able to tell you about uh, Borat uh, too. Borat and uh, oh, just uh, and then I'll I'm gonna watch the the John the Bong Joon Ho. Why am I screwing up? His Bong Joon Ho. Yes. And then what else is going on, Carl? Oh, Alex Gibney's Totally Under Control documentary. Boy, he's been really at it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about the bungling of the coronavirus yeah. uh, pandemic. And it was filmed, uh, I guess, quite quickly. And it's very <laughs> uh, it's very illuminating. And it is available video on demand right now. But it's going to start on Hulu October 20th. Yep. So there are quite a bit of things going on. I'm 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 going to watch the Sliff documentaries, and then I'm going to swear off documentaries for a little bit. Yeah, we will talk about Sliff next week, but the lineup is out. So go to cinemastlouis.org and look at the lineup November 5th through the 22nd. All right. So we'll talk to you next have, week then. Yes. Uh, we have a full weekend and uh, we can watch the leaves, more leaves fall. Don't be burning them. Nope. So everybody stay safe, support local businesses, and we will see you. Well, we will hear you next week. You will hear us. You will hear us next week. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye.